0: I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I am so excited to be sharing today's very fun episode with you this episode is about having more fun so it is a fun episode and it is about fun so while this seems like maybe it's a very lighthearted topic katherine price who is my guest today is going to convince you that fun and having more fun is not just a lighthearted conversation it's not necessarily something that we should be thinking about as optional or something that should be at the end of our to-do list this is actually an important conversation and it should be something that we are prioritizing. Catherine is a science journalist. She is founder of Screen Life Balance, and author of How to Break Up with Your Phone and The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again. Her writing has appeared in publications, including The Best American Science Writing, The New York Times, and Oprah Magazine, among many others. Catherine has a few really great resources she is going to share with us on this episode. Those are going to be in the show notes, so You can find them all there. But I just really love talking to Catherine. When I learned about her book, How to Break Up with Your Phone, I knew I wanted to have a conversation with her, but I didn't realize we'd be talking about fun. This is a very unique conversation, it's not really something that we've talked about on the show. But it is something that is important. Fun obviously creates a richer life. It creates a more abundant life. And really, that's what this podcast is all about anyways. We talk about minimalism. We talk about living with less. Because living with less creates space for more of the important things. And having fun is is one of those important things. Catherine is also just an amazing teacher and speaker and I know that you're going to learn so much from our conversation and be inspired to go have some true fun. So let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Catherine. All right, Catherine. I'm excited to get to have you on the show today. Uh, Before we really get started, could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, Sure. My name is Catherine Price, and I am a health and science journalist by training, but more recently I've been writing books, uh, more specifically How to Break Up with Your Phone and The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again are my last two books and <laughs> should just say straight from the outset I have a history of turning my personal issues into professional projects which will probably become clear as we have our conversation
0: <laughs> i love it and i was really intrigued by your book how to break up with your phone and when i first invited you on I wanted to really dig into that book, but then I discovered um, your second book, The Power of Fun, and I really decided I want to talk a little bit about both, but more so focused on the fun. We've been talking a lot about phones and screens on the podcast lately. And so I thought, you know what? We've I feel like we've gotten into that topic in a heavy way. <laughs> <laughs> so while, um, while these two topics seem like they're totally different. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit first about how the two topics go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that um, you don't have to pick because
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Power of Fun
1: is a direct sequel to to how to break up with your phone. Um, And I think the best way to answer your question is just to tell a personal story, which is that the reason I wrote How to Break Up With Your Phone was basically that I had had our daughter in 2015, and I just started to notice that there were these moments when I'd find her looking up at me, and I would be distracted by my phone, and that really upset me. I you know, have a background in mindfulness and like to think I'm a relatively self-aware person who cares about living life fully and, uh, and about human relationships, and this really shook me to my core. So that's why I wrote How to Break Up With Your Phone. But then what I realized, so I was feeling kind of smug, right? Like I, I had a better relationship with my phone. Breaking up with your phone doesn't mean dumping your phone. As a side note, it just means creating better boundaries so that you have a healthier relationship that you are in control of. So I'd done that and I was like, go me, you know, I'm spending less time doing dumb things on my phone. But I didn't realize that was going to open up a second problem, perhaps bigger problem, which is that if you take away distractions and you take away the mindless scrolling, you're going to have to face the question, answer the question of what you actually want to do with your time if you're no longer allowing it to be filled by stuff on your phone. And so I had a little bit of an existential moment actually in this very room that I'm speaking to you from where I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I know what I want to be doing with my spare time. I actually think it had a lot to do with early motherhood too and that mm-hmm. you know my world had been somewhat shrunken (laughs) by Mm -hmm. the new responsibilities of parenthood but and, and you're just so used to dealing with other people's needs as a mother especially of an infant but anyway long story short I I started this kind of journey in trying to find things that brought me joy and that I wanted to do and through that I got really interested in the subject of fun And then the science and journalist in me kicked in and was like, what is fun? Like, what is the feeling of fun? Like, what research has been done about what fun is and what it does to and for us? And there really wasn't anything. And so that led to the power of fun. And in both of those books, I really wanted to combine science with a practical guide, you know, with evidence-backed suggestions so that they're not just books that kind of talk about the problem. I wanted them to also offer solutions. Yeah,
0: and I think early motherhood, like you said, we hear a, l- a lot of people talk about and maybe feel it ourselves, just kind of losing ourselves in motherhood. And it's funny because kids, young kids have a natural ability to just have fun, but yet <laughs> becoming moms sometimes, even though we, we can see them and all their joy and laughter and and the fun that they're having, we lose some of the things that that we truly enjoy. So, mm-hmm. that's why I really wanted to to hear more from you on that topic. Also, I just wanted to give you a chance quickly to talk about you created two courses that go along with the books as well. Um, so those two courses, do you just want to talk about those quickly and how those can help anyone who feels like either they and they need help with their phones or they're feeling that same thing just yeah. about not knowing what they enjoy. Yeah. Well, I should
1: say, yeah. I would say, if if people end up thinking that I say anything useful and they want to <laughs> take action on any of these things, there. These are the two books, but I also created these uh, text message based courses, which is somewhat ironic in the case of how to break up with your phone. It's a course delivered via text message, but I think of it as if your phone is actually breaking up with you. And basically, it takes the the plans in my books and breaks them down into these bite sized pieces, and then delivers your assignment to you each day via a voice message from me coupled with interactive prompts that tell you exactly what to do on that particular day. And they're particularly, I think, effective and fun if you do them with other people. But anyway, you can learn about those at my website, which is KatherinePrice.com. And I made a code for your listeners, which is minimalism15, and it'll give you 15% off um, both of those courses. And I also have uh, free resources on my website if anyone wants to check those out, namely a phone breakup starter kit and then a find your fun starter kit. And those are also at KatherinePrice.com. But the general thing I've been trying to do is create evidence-backed solutions to these problems that are delivered in kind of a playful and friendly way. Um, So I would love it if some of your listeners check those out.
0: Yeah, I I love the text message idea, mostly because sometimes, you know, you want to get these resources online and then you have to
1: like log into something to actually do them. (laughs) Yes. I know. I know. I had created some, I have a social media detox and I have an email course that I'm actually in the process of redesigning because right now those do require more, you know, you have the login thing. And I'm like, people aren't going to do that. I don't do that. I buy courses and I'm like, I never did that. So yeah, I totally hear you. I really like that. It's just kind of delivered on as a, and then you also have the whole text thread on your phone. So even if on that particular day you're like, Oh, I'm too frantic. I can't do that. You can just look back and see what it was. So it's pretty cool. It's a company that helps authors turn their stuff into courses, and I've really appreciated them. That's awesome. I love that.
0: Well, we've been talking a lot on the podcast lately about habits with our phones and specifically with consuming content and scrolling mindlessly. And I think one of the reasons we do that, especially is in early motherhood, like you mentioned, kind of your experience, but just in general, like anyone any every anyone and everyone i feel like this is a this is a big problem mm-hmm. and part of the reason that we do this is we think it's fun right maybe it's like checking out and we we need to check out we are trying to escape some type of feeling and oh this feels fun to scroll and laugh at something or i don't know see what someone else is doing right now but you talk about how this is not really real fun. So I would love to know kind of any research that you might have found of why we do this, if it's not actually <laughs> doing what, what we're looking for it to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, two separate prongs to the answer. The reason that we do that, the reason that we get sucked into scrolling mindlessly on our phones into the guise of thinking that it's fun is that the most time-sucking apps are deliberately designed to suck us in. And they use the same tricks as slot machines in terms of incorporating what are known as dopamine triggers dopamine is a is a chemical produced by our bodies that basically tells us when something is worth doing again so if you if you so it's it's very important evolutionarily because it reminds you to do things like eat and reproduce so like if you were to stumble across a lovely raspberry bush in the forest and eat the berries and you don't die like your brain's going to release dopamine and that'll remind you where the berries are and tell you that, oh, if you encounter that bush again, you should eat those berries, like it's very helpful. But if you look at slot machines and then say Instagram, you'll see dopamine triggers that are deliberately put into those like bright colors, uncertainty and unpredictability, uh, novelty, you know, where our brain loves new things. And if you use the dopamine triggers deliberately in that way, you can create a product that hooks people because it's hijacking the same systems that have developed in our bodies to keep us alive as a species. So that's why. It's not really your fault if you keep ending up on Instagram. I mean, everything about Instagram is designed to keep you on Instagram. Um, But I realized in my own research that one of the main reasons that we tend to think of these things as fun, when they're actually not fun, is that there's not a good definition of what fun is. If you look in the dictionary, it just says it's lighthearted pleasure or amusement. But In my research, I actually created a survey that I sent out to my mailing list and I asked people to tell me stories that stood out to them as having been, quote, so fun. I couldn't think of a better way to phrase it. So I just said, what was so fun with a so capitalized? And people sent me three stories each and I got thousands of stories and I was reading through them and I would read through them with a big smile on my face, but I would often almost tear up because there was something so alive about them. There was this energy running through them. It was very clear that these memories were not trivial at all. They weren't just lighthearted pleasure. They were some of the most treasured memories from people's lives, the moments in which they felt the most connected and the most joyful and the most just, yeah, alive. And so I ended up coming up with my own definition of fun, which I then ran by this group of kind of guinea pigs that I'd recruited. And I think it really stands up. So my Definition of what I consider to be true fun. And I'll explain why I use that term true fun in a second is that is the confluence of three separate states. And the three states are playfulness, connection, and flow. So when you have if you imagine a Venn diagram, like three circles where playfulness, connection and flow overlap in that center, that's what I consider to be true fun. And by that, I mean, so I want to clarify like playfulness, people often clench up, especially adults, because we think it means you have to be silly or you have to be playing make believe or just some kind of childish thing. Some people do find playfulness that way, but it really just means your attitude toward things about being lighthearted by default and not taking things or yourself too seriously, you know, finding ways to laugh. And then connection is the feeling of having a special shared experience. I was really interested in reading people's responses to see that in the vast majority of the stories, there was someone else involved. Fun didn't seem to happen that much when people were alone. And that was true even for people who consider themselves to be introverts. People just kept picking the descriptor, special shared experience as like a primary description of fun. And then flow is a term, a psychological term that basically means when you're, quote, in the zone. So when you're totally engaged and present, you know, you're you're, nothing else matters. You're in the moment. It's like when you see an athlete playing a game, musician playing a piece of music, even when you're like really engrossed in a conversation. But the key thing about flow is that it is, it's active and engaged. So you often lose track of time when you're in a state of flow, but it's different from losing track of time. If you're scrolling through social media or you're watching the seventh episode of a TV show, that's more of like a glazed over kind of thing. Um, flow is very active, engaged and engaged. So I came to believe that fun is the combination of these three states, playful, connected flow. And the reason I'm calling it true fun instead of just fun is that I realize that we use the word fun kind of sloppily in our everyday speech. I mean, it's not our fault, but we use it to describe anything we do with our leisure time. And that leaves us really, really vulnerable to companies or people trying to convince us that something is, quote, fun and therefore worth our time when it's actually not something that produces playful connected flow. And I call the products and services that are deliberately marketed that way fake fun. So I would say to answer your question, scrolling through social media is a, you know, it passes the time. It's not working. It's not parenting. It's an escape, but it's fake fun. It's not actually playful, connected flow. I have never seen a story or read a story from someone about a fun experience that involves scrolling through social media. And I also want to clarify. So I think about, you know, uses of our leisure time as being in buckets and you've got on one end, you've got things that produce the feeling of true fun. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got the stuff that produces like basically makes you feel gross is like the junk food of fun, junk food of leisure. That's the fake fun. But there is a big category in the middle of activities that you really enjoy, but that don't don't really produce fun per se. And that's a lot of our solitary leisure pursuits like reading or taking a bath or maybe like doing a solitary craft, um, going for a walk. And all those things are great and we should actually prioritize them. They're just slightly different from fun. Like fun is a very energetic state that kind of revs you up. So I think it's interesting to think about those distinctions just because we have a limited amount of le- leisure time, especially as parents. And especially if you're yeah, trying to balance something outside of the house and doing a lot of caregiving. And so it can be very useful to, to have these categories, I think, because then you can decide, what do I actually need in this moment? Like, do I need a escape like maybe then you do scroll through something for five minutes just give yourself a time limit so it doesn't take up too much time maybe you're like i just need like a quiet restorative moment you know and that's when you do one of those more quiet enjoyable things but maybe you're like no i really need to get out i need to have energy like i want to have this boost of energy and that's when you might pursue something that you think would lead to fun sorry that was a very long answer <laughs> that was great that
0: was very <laughs> thorough and extremely helpful I feel like it, it clears it up so much and it makes a lot of sense of just why why we feel so often like we don't know what to do to have fun or we we maybe know some things that we enjoy but they're not really giving us that that feeling like you said of just feeling so connected or in flow or or feeling alive. Ever since I had my youngest daughter, I have struggled to get back to a consistent workout routine. Most of all, I really needed accountability. So I discovered my co-pilot. co is a service that links you with an affordable real life personal trainer. With my co you get the use of an app for personalized workouts that your trainer makes for you tailored to the individual needs and goals that you communicate to them. You get real person accountability and you get this support and guidance that can help you reach your goals. With Copilot, you also get flexibility. The workout programs are designed around your specific lifestyle. You even have the ability to work out at your own convenience, with or without a gym. And it's affordable it's cost-effective compared to traditional in-person training and it offers the same benefits my trainer leslie i connected with leslie right away on our one-on-one onboarding call and she asked me what kind of equipment i had in my home gym and i really also love that i don't have to like go searching for a workout program it's all in the app and the app is very easy to use but having the accountability and having these workouts that are catered to me it has made it so much easier to work towards my goals. Give Copilot a try to find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top-rated personal trainer app of 2023. Head to go.mycopilot.com minimalish to get a 14-day free trial with your own personal trainer. That's go.mycopilot.com minimalish to get a free 14-day trial with your very own personal trainer. Take a backseat and let Copilot help you reach your fitness goals. Is hiring challenging? Yes, but do you love a challenge? Also yes. You need a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, to search for candidates with the right skills indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates and with instant match over 80 percent of employers get quality candidates whose resume on indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job according to indeed data us one of the things that i love about indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because of its hiring platform Indeed does the hard work for you. It shows you candidates whose resume on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for the applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com minimalish. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash minimalish. Just go to indeed.com slash minimalish and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash minimalish. Terms and
1: conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So what you were saying reminded me of uh, two things. One is that one of the big characteristics of fun that I've noticed is that it is accompanied by a feeling of freedom and release which seems really important for parents in particular, It's this feeling of just letting go that's so absent from so much of adulthood and particularly parenthood. And so that is, I think, one of the most powerful aspects of fun. And I was also going to say, and you just picked up on this and touched on it in the way you were speaking about it, is that fun is a feeling and it's not an activity per se. And I think that's a very important distinction because a lot of times we think that you have to do a particular thing in order to have fun. Or often you need to be in a particular place or basically not be in your normal life to have fun. Fun happens on vacation. Fun happens on the weekend. It doesn't happen during the weekday. It doesn't happen when you're parenting all this stuff. But one of the things I love about thinking of it as playful connected flow and as a feeling and not a particular activity is that it actually allows you to generate fun in circumstances where you might think it couldn't happen and also to recognize that you probably actually are already having moments of fun you just didn't have a name for them and so you don't necessarily appreciate and notice them as such just as an example like you know anytime you have a playful connected moment with someone and you find yourself like totally in it that's a moment of fun so I mean I have fun if I run into a neighbor or even the mailman on the street. And we have like a joking interaction for just a couple of seconds. I mean, is that going to be like a mind blowing example of fun that I remember for the rest of my life? No. But if I'm going to bed that night and I'm like reflecting on my day and trying to think, well, how was my day? You know, do I feel good about how I'm spending my time? I can call to mind these little moments and savor them, which actually is a psychological technique and term about reminiscing about positive experiences in our lives. And savoring has been proven to really improve people's moods and their perception of the quality of their lives. The more you can notice these moments in which you're already in playful, connected flow, the more you may recognize you're already having moments of fun. And the more you'll be able to pull out themes that might help you to generate more fun in the future. You know, I think of these as what I call fun magnets. Like, even though I'm saying that fun is a feeling and not an activity, there are certain activities And people and settings that are more likely to lead to the feeling of fun for each of us personally. And if we can identify what those fun magnets are, then we can prioritize them and generate more fun in the future. So, as a concrete example of that, one thing I've realized is a fun magnet for me is is playing music with a particular group of friends. I play uh, guitar and keyboard and I'm trying to learn drums, which actually all is an offshoot of this project of writing the book about fun. So, it's been amazing to see what it's led to. But anyway, I know that if I play music with this particular group of people, I normally have a really fun time, and that means that I can prioritize it. I'm like, all right, if I have a limited amount of leisure time and my husband and I are trying to juggle childcare duties and, you know, I've got work and there's just all these demands on my time, if I'm going to prioritize one thing, it's going to be that. And I think it's interesting, too, to reflect on the fact that again, trying to use this personal example, if I'm playing music with a different group of people, I might not have fun. I'm doing the exact same activity, but there's something about the vibe that is not fun. So I use that as an example to prove the point that it really is a feeling that can be amplified and maybe triggered by certain environments or activities, but it's not dependent on them. On on another example of that, I was giving a talk once and I was asking people to give examples of fun when they had fun. This one guy gave an example of how he had, had recently had a flight delay And he had looked up from his phone, you know, and he actually started talking to the people next to him. And they ended up having this very fun conversation. He said, I think that was triggered by some interaction they were watching between a um, customer service representative and someone who's being kind of obnoxious. So whatever. But I love that story because I was like, no one, if you ask like, hey, what do you do for fun? would be like, well, I try to book delayed flights and hang out at the airport and chat with strangers. Like that would be a very (laughs) weird thing to do. But he was like, that was so fun. I felt so connected to these people. We were laughing. Laughter is a very good s- sign that you're actually having true fun. We were laughing. We were present. It made the time pass. It was just a real highlight of my day. Yeah.
0: I. It's so funny because, you know, we've we've been saying that part of this is as parents, we we can lose this part of us. And this summer, my husband's a teacher, so he's home. So I'm trying to put... A little bit more time into work while I can, and um, because during the the school year I take care of my kids and try to fit some work in the margins there, mm-hmm. and and I kept feeling like it's summer and we are always living on the school year schedule. I, I feel like I should be having more fun and. Always oh, good I to work? pressure
1: yourself with fun. It's yeah, great. it works oh, yeah. really well. Yeah. Have more fun.
0: <laughs> Have more <laughs> fun.
1: You're failing.
0: <laughs> I look at other what other people are doing, and I'm like, I, I feel like I should be having fun, or like the typical summer things, like I should be doing more of that with my kids. And so I think just how you described it as. A feeling. It it makes it more doable, to, and and mm-hmm. also more, I don't know, easier to really pinpoint. Okay, what's giving? What actually gives us those feelings? And like you said, carve out time for those things rather than just doing. I, I don't know. I just feel like parenthood sometimes for me is filled with doing the things I feel like should be fun for everyone, yeah, so but it ends shoulds. up not so many, not so fun. You know.
1: <laughs> well, also I think is you know we think that our kids' fun is really important that ours isn't fun. Or, sorry, our fun yeah. isn't important, and then we'll like orchestrate these elaborate things that are supposed to be fun for the kids. And then if they're not having fun, right. And they're like being cranky about it. Then you find yourself being the person who's like, this is supposed to be fun. Don't you realize like I planned that it was supposed to be fun. And like nothing's less conducive to fun than having someone yell at you that it's supposed to be fun. And I think part of that is that we need to focus on our own fun. Like we need our own tanks to be full. It's the whole, you know, oxygen mask analogy, like put your own mask on first before trying to help anybody. I can tell you for sure that when I am having enough fun, I am a much better partner and I'm a much better parent. If I'm not having enough fun, my husband immediately knows at this point and is like, you need to go out and do something fun because you need it. Um, But I'd also say that your example of like all these shoulds and You know, you realize that you actually don't like swimming. There's a lot of cases where we, there's things we feel we should do because they're quote unquote fun. But if you don't find fun in them, then they're not a fun magnet for you. And you can give yourself permission to just not really like it and instead figure out what does feel more fun to you. It was very interesting in my research because I asked people specifically, like, what's something that you consider to be fun that others don't? And then vice versa, what is something that other people consider to be really fun and you just don't? yourself. And there were certain things that were totally dividing lines. And I'd say the number one one that just kind of jumped out spontaneously from people's answers was beaches. People either love the beach or they hate the beach amusement parks were another one, loving them, hating them, you know, uh, crowded bars were another one, like loud concerts were another one. (laughs) You can kind of tell by my adjectives there, which line, which side of the line I fall on for both of those. But it was so interesting (laughs) because I'm like, Oh, well that kind of frees you up. If you're like, yeah, a lot of people have a lot of fun at the beach and I just don't like, that's okay. Then maybe you don't need to feel bad about not wanting to go to the beach. And maybe if you have family members or friends who love the beach, either you're like okay I'm going to go and I'm going to like recognize it's not normally that much fun but I'm going to see what I can do to like to go r- roll with it cuz maybe you it will end up being fun and you'll be surprised but if you truly hate it you're just going to be a wet blanket so you probably shouldn't go and you should give them the freedom to go and engage in their fun magnet and then ask that they give you the freedom to do the same for yourself and my husband and I do that in regards to this music thing because he doesn't play an instrument and you know he's not going to have fun if he sits in a parking lot on a Friday night and plays the indigo girls the same songs again and again and again, that's like my dream. So it's been very helpful for us to recognize that it's totally fine that that is not fun for him and that it is fun for me and that, you know, it makes sense for our relationship to make sure that we each have space for the things that tend to lead to fun for us individually. And then, of course, in addition, you want to recognize, all right, what are some of the circumstances in which my family has really had fun together? Because maybe you can like replicate aspects of that. And that brings to mind another suggestion I have for listeners, which is that you might want to start this process by either on your own or with your loved ones, try to come up with a list of like three to five memories that stand out to you as having been truly fun. You know, what like what's comes to mind? They don't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be like, oh, we were on vacation and blah. It could be like, oh, yeah, that time when there was the blackout and we ended up making a fort in the basement and whatever. We were just laughing and playing board games with a flashlight. Anything can count. Because if you look at that, you can start to see if there are any themes, you can see if there's particular settings or activities that do stand out to you. You also can ask yourself if there are any characteristics that tend to pop up again and again, maybe like being out in nature is something that tends to lead to fun for you or your family. Maybe it's music, maybe it's physical activity, maybe it's challenges or games, maybe it's Big groups or small groups, you know, there's all sorts of different characteristics, and the better you can kind of tease out these characteristics, the easier it'll be to generate ideas for potential new things to try that could lead to fun, and also to evaluate things where you're like, you know, what that doesn't feel fun, and that is why, you know. So I, I really like that exercise, and the process of talking about fun memories can itself be very fun and a bonding yeah. experience.
0: Yeah, I I love that idea, and it's it's simple and. Uh, like you just said, it gives you something to do together. Yeah, <laughs> even just yeah. Re- recalling all those things. Um, I think we all probably agree that having fun together with other people, or having fun as a family specifically, um, if we have kids, like that's a priority to a lot of us. But what's the benefit of really finding what is fun for you as an individual? I know we kind of talked about what the definition of that is and maybe how to find it. But why does that matter? Because I think we we let go of that a lot as parents.
1: Yes, we definitely do. And uh, I may stereotype women are particularly good at letting go of their own fun and thinking it's a priority because we, well, anyone who's a caregiver, right? Like you're caring for other people and you tend to put your own needs at the bottom of the list. So it's actually really interesting if you think about our attitudes towards fun versus what fun actually does for us. Cause we typically do think of it kind of as frivolous unless it's for our kids for whatever reason. we're like, yes, kids should have fun, but adults it's nice when it happens, but it's at the bottom of our list. I think that's because we don't have a very good definition. You know, if you think of it just as lighthearted pleasure, then that doesn't really like carry a suggestion that it's important. Um, But if you think of it as playful connected flow, there's actually a lot of scientific research behind each of those states and how important they are for us, not just, Mentally, but also physically, which is fascinating. So by, by that, I mean, there's a lot of research. It's not even controversial. The idea that stress is bad for our physical health, stress, mm-hmm. emotional stress increases levels of stress hormones, including cortisol, which is essential if you're trying to run away from something and it's a physical threat, but it's not good for us if it's sustained over time. You know, cortisol does things like raise your blood pressure and your blood sugar and your heart rate. Uh, So it's not particularly surprising then to know that elevated rates are associated with, you know, increased risk for heart attack and stroke and type 2 diabetes, obesity, all sorts of of health outcomes. Anything that reduces stress, in contrast, is good for us. And fun, by definition, is a very low stress state. Like it's this feeling, as we were talking about, of being relaxed, of letting go. I mean, energized, but at the same time relaxed and, and free. You're not stressed out when you're having fun. And then another way that it affects us physically is that, Just as there's solid evidence behind stress being bad for us physically, there's evidence behind social isolation and loneliness being very bad for us physically for exactly the same reason. It leads to a stressed out state, which in turn leads to elevated cortisol, which then leads to these health problems. So anything that you can do that actually makes you feel less lonely, makes you feel socially connected, is going to be good for your physical health. To give an example of how dramatic this is, there's this really well-regarded meta-analysis that found that being lonely and isolated, the health risks of that is comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day, which is wow. crazy, 15 yeah. cigarettes. So fun is a state of connection, according to my definition. It's part of the definition is you feel connected. You're not lonely. You're not isolated. You're with someone. You're with, you're present in your own body. Like it's a state of connection. And so just those two things, I think, make the strong argument that Having fun and prioritizing fun is a health intervention, which is really crazy to think about. But it also, you know, does all these other things too. Like it it unites us, which I think is so important in today's climate, because when you have fun with another person, the differences between you are race. If you're laughing with someone, then you don't see their, you don't see their political party or their, you know, religion or their race. Like you just connect on this human level, which is so important. And then also, as we've touched on, fun is incredibly energizing. And it really boosts our resilience. I think that that's an important aspect as well. And I often encourage people to think back, if you want an example from your own life, like think back about on the early days of the COVID pandemic, when we were in lockdown and everything was terrifying and we couldn't see people, we couldn't really do very much. And just think about whether there were any bright spots in that, like things that actually helped carry you through that time. I mean, for example, getting together in the driveway with neighbors and sitting 15 feet apart, you know, and having like a happy hour or all those. Remember when we went on Zoom and we did phone calls with friends, like voluntarily, like we wanted to do Zoom calls because we were so (laughs) desperately lonely. Those, I mean, anything that kind of stands out to you that was a ritual or that boosted your mood, I'm willing to argue probably had some element of fun in it. and. It really fills up your reserves and enables you to weather periods of stress. I mean, there's a theory called the broaden and build theory of positive emotions from Barbara Fredrickson at UNC that posits exactly that. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, I like to say it's the most important reason to have fun is just that it feels good because it's fun and we deserve to have fun and enjoy our own lives. But I also do think it's interesting that when you're in a state of playful, connected flow, you do have these other benefits like feeling more creative like, cause you're not self-criticizing. Like you can't have a self-critic in play and have fun at the same time cause it would kick you out of flow. So you're creative. And when you're also really present and you're enjoying what you're doing and you're in flow, you're more productive. So, I mean, the list goes on, but I just think it's fascinating to think of how we just kind of act as if fun is frivolous and unimportant. When if you really think about it, being in the state of fun is enormously beneficial for us physically and mentally. I mean it's and it makes life worth living.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think, you know, it's so interesting to hear all of those benefits and then just think about how often we just push it off. And I think one of the things I I was thinking while you were talking is about how I am often feeling like I'm just trying to fit so much into my day that I maybe feel like too tired to do the things that I actually like to do or too tired to go and, you know, try to be with people and connect uh, outside of my house, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you, if you want to talk about it personally or if you just kind of want to give general um, thoughts or encouragements, how do you in a busy life like really carve out time for for fun? If that makes
1: sense. Yeah, I think there's a number of things that we all need to do and that I try to do personally. Um, the first is to recognize its importance and its value. And probably the best way to convince yourself of that is to have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, or at least like, you know, reflect back on moments that were fun. I think one of the main reasons we just end up on the couch at the end of the day on our phones or watching TV is we are exhausted and their days feel so busy. But I would also argue that part of the reason we feel so exhausted is that we're constantly trying to multitask and do more than one thing at once, especially as parents and especially as mothers. And our brains actually can't do that. We can't do two things at once. So when you try to do something you can't, by definition, do, it's tiring. And so you end up at the end of the day with no energy and you're like, really? Like I'm supposed to get dressed and go out and meet my other parent friends, like try to coordinate. It just seems like so much work. So i say the first thing is to recognize that it actually is worth the work. And then once you experience it and remember what it feels like, it can be self-motivating. It's like getting a flywheel started on a bike. Like once you, the act of starting the bicycle is hard, but once you get it going, it's a lot easier. And I think there's two kind of ways to approach how to have more fun. One is the engineering approach, which is that you kind of figure out How to create more opportunities in your life and schedule where fun's likely to occur. And that's where I would recommend that you actually try to figure out those fun magnets, right? Like what are the people, activities, and settings that are likely to lead to it for you so that you can put it on your calendar. You're not putting have fun on your calendar. Important note, please don't do that. If you're like, I'm going to have fun Friday night, (laughs) have fun. No, fun's going to run away and be like, forget that. But, it, but if you have something where you're like, oh, I, I normally have a lot of fun when I hang out with this friend, we're going to go out together on Friday, like with this friend, like that kind of stuff. That mm-hmm. might require you to create space in your calendar and get rid of some stuff. I think that we all say yes to things kind of on default. I mean, again, like moms often take on tons of responsibilities. I mean, dads do too. But like mom, where it's like you're doing all this stuff for your kid's school, you're doing you just say yes to all these things without evaluating. Am I actually getting what I want and need out of this? Am I enjoying it? Is it necessary? It's kind of like tidying up your house. I would suggest looking through your obligations and asking, is there anything you can say no to and get rid of so that you can create more space in your life? Is there anything you can? Yeah, like simplify, like minimize things, minimize things a bit more. Um, And also try to cut back on some of the time you're spending on your devices, because in reality, like we all say, oh, I'm so busy, I don't have any time. But we're spending, before the pandemic, the average person was spending about four hours a day on their phones, which is a quarter of your waking life. It's 60 full days a year. Like that's a lot of time. So even a small change in cutting back on, say, Instagram and replacing it by something you enjoy, that will make a big difference. And then I also do think kind of on a related note, So you have kind of the engineering aspect to creating more situations in which fun is likely to occur for you. But there's also an element of serendipity, right? Like spontaneity. Like that guy I was mentioning earlier who had fun waiting in line at the airport, he didn't plan that. That was just because he was open to it and he looked up. And so I think it's also very important to make space in our schedules, but also in our minds so that we're more aware of moments that could lead to playful connected flow. And so that we do have those little interactions with people and we say yes to more things because we're not feeling quite as crush- crushed and overwhelmed all the time. I remember interview- oh, sorry, being interviewed by this person who was a stand-up comic and he was telling me a story about how he had recently had, in his description, two hours of true fun and all he was doing was sitting on a park bench with his nephew and they were trying to catch leaves as they fell off of a tree. And I just loved that story on so many levels, because first of all, it makes the point that fun doesn't have to cost anything. You know, all he needed to do was be present with his nephew and say yes to the game of these trying to catch these leaves. And I also just loved it on a metaphorical level, because I truly do believe that there are these little opportunities for playfulness, connection and flow, and therefore fun floating in the air around us all the time. And that ultimately, we just need to be better about reaching out and grabbing them. Yeah,
0: I I think how you described kind of almost just like the attitude that we approach our days with, and I mean maybe part of that goes hand in hand. Like have more fun, and your attitude will open up to more fun <laughs> type yeah. of thing. Like you said in the beginning, like convincing yourself to do it more is doing it to see how how it changes yeah. you, and and just seeing you know those few examples is just that same person could be sitting on the bench, you know, checking their watch, like Mm -hmm. figuring out, thinking about all the things they need to do other than be catching these leaves or they they can be present in the moment. So I I do – Think it's probably a huge difference, the attitude we have towards fun and the attitude that we approach our days with.
1: I think of it as a fun mindset. And you reminded me of just one other practice I'd love to share with your listeners, which is a practice that I got from a book called The Book of Delights by this poet named Ross Gay. And I highly recommend that book. And he himself seems to be like, he is a delight. But the idea is basically Instead of ruminating all the bad stuff in the world or like doom scrolling the news, you know, as we all do, just make a point of noticing little things in your daily life that delight you and delight just like a little bit of lightness or something that just makes you smile. You know, it could be very simple, like a pretty flower. It could be something silly or absurd, like my daughter and I recently saw someone unicycling down this like big street in Philadelphia with a trumpet. (laughs) <laughs> and we both look she's only eight and it's so cute because she she does a delight practice with me and what you do is you notice it whether you're with someone or alone and if something delights you you put a finger up in the air and, and I'm doing this right now and you say out loud delight and you will feel kind of silly what I mean it itself is kind of delightful but there's actually evidence behind the idea that if you notice the positive things in your life or environment and you name them and then if you say them out loud, and you accompany it with a physical gesture, it's actually been proven to really boost people's moods because it's an an example of a savoring practice, you know, of the sort that we were discussing earlier. And this practice is even more effective if you share it with other people. So I'm obviously, you know suggesting that we spend less time on our phones when we can. But I do actually think a wonderful use of technology is to have delight text chains with people, especially if you don't see them that often. So I actually have a number of you know text chains with friends around the country where every once in a while someone will send a photo and just the word delight and it's just wonderful. It's like a little moment of delight in my own life to receive someone else's delight. It makes me feel more connected to them in that moment, even if we don't see each other frequently. And it inspires me to notice more things in my own life that are delightful so that I can enjoy them myself, but then also send it back to my delight you know, friends. So I, I love it because it's so simple. It's something you can do with kids. It's something you can do alone. I've heard of people having delight jars on their, you know, say kitchen table where at dinner everybody shares a delight and then writes something down on a piece of paper. And then you have a jar that you can then dip into at any point if you, you know, kind of want to remember one of these little moments. I found it to be so powerful. I actually had a bracelet made for myself that says delight um, that just, you know, I use to remind myself to keep noticing delights because it is so important to to fight back against our brain's natural tendencies to just focus on negative stuff and instead train ourselves to recognize that no matter what bad things are happening in the world, there are also delights out there and there are good things and we need to pay attention to them. That's so good,
0: I love that. I wanna go start doing that. I'm sure my five-year-old would love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like very putting fun. The bit, you know? So I'm gonna go tell her about that after our conversation, <laughs> so I just love it so much. I've loved our conversation so much, and um, it's been fun, truly, talking to you. Yes, <laughs> so. no, it's a good point. Like
1: I feel, you know, it's like a playful conversation. I feel connected with you and totally present. So, I, you know, when I go to sleep tonight, this will stand out as a fun moment for me. So, I love it. I'm yeah. so glad to hear that.
0: <laughs> well, I I do have two kind of uh, just just for fun questions that I ask every <laughs> guest. Okay. And the
1: the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? Um. Oh, my God. Well, I have one of those like green drop pickups tomorrow morning where we're trying to get rid of and simplify the mess that is in our basement. So there's that. I'd say that and email. Email. Oh, God. I'm trying to simplify that. <laughs> I, it's so funny. I
0: just released an episode about decluttering like storage areas like a basement or a garage or something like that. And our basement is is a mess. It's in the process, but... Those areas of our homes, man, they can they can be rough. Yeah. <laughs> the second question that I have is, uh, what's something you're loving right now?
1: Something I am loving. I <laughs> I've decided that I should just try to teach, my, teach myself the bass, and so <laughs> um, so I'm trying to learn. Well, I guess I learned it on a piano this morning, but I was trying to figure out Miley Cyrus's "Flowers" on the,
0: <laughs> on the baseline.
1: <laughs> so that was the first thing that came to mind. Is I'm I love trying to figure out things. Like how to play various musical things. Um, yeah. So I'm loving that. Yeah. yeah. But I'd say just well, figuring things out by ear is something I'm loving. I always love doing that yeah. I was just doing before we spoke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's intriguing to me because I, I really
1: know nothing about music, but I, I wish I kind of wish I did. <laughs> well, you could. Never too late to start. I take classes at this place where it's mostly parents, actually. and It's, in a, it's a children's music studio by day called Mr. John's Music in Philadelphia. And at night... There's an adult community and it basically is a a place where it's safe and welcome to be a total beginner.
0: That's awesome. Well, maybe I will. We have a piano because we just moved and we inherited it from the oh. previous owner. So, it is it's kind of like on my list that I would like to start I don't know. Figuring. I right, Well, let out. this we'll be see.
1: this podcast be. Uh, where We got to check in. You got to yeah. keep you accountable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, I have just really enjoyed talking to you and just everything that you shared. So thanks for being here, Catherine. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Catherine today. If you can't tell by just listening to my conversation with her, I truly love talking to her and having this conversation was true fun for me. I am so grateful that not just this interview, but doing this podcast and being able to connect with other like-minded, really brilliant people – is a true fun thing for me and just an update on the piano thing you might have heard at the end i have still not started learning but i kind of have a plan to begin it's in the works i've got a lot going on right now but we're getting there i wanted to end with just a couple of true fun things that we've been doing this fall one i joined a homesteading group with my church Now, that might sound pretty strange. Like, what what do I mean a homesteading group through my church? It's basically a community group, and it's just focused on the topic of homesteading. There are a few women who go to my church that homestead in various different ways. And while I would not consider myself a homesteader in any sense of the way, I was really intrigued to join the group, and I am just loving connecting with the women and learning in lots of different hands-on ways we just did a farm tour the other night it's just been really fun another way that we've had some true fun this fall as family together is to go to our favorite laid back relaxed (laughs) pumpkin patch so there are many pumpkin patches near us like fall festivals that are just full of people and we will probably go to at least one of them But this one is always a little more low-key, and we chose this one to go to because right now, anytime we're out in public, it involves chasing a crazy one-and-a-half-year-old. So that was one way we had true fun as a family together this fall. I hope that this episode helps you reflect on some ways that you can add some more true fun to your life. I wanted to end today with an announcement that your Minimalist holidays which is my guided holiday journal is going to be coming out next week so look for that announcement on the exact day it should be october 17th but i cannot guarantee any specific date because i am using a self-publishing platform to get that out into the world And sometimes there are just some bumps along the way, but I'm hoping October 17th will be the day that you can have access to your minimalish holidays. I have been really just writing like crazy and pouring my whole heart into this journal. It is 30 short essays that go along with 30 days of journal questions to both inspire you and encourage you to reflect and find what your own intentional holiday season would look like and to actually take action on that as well as we kind of go through the beginning of the holiday season here so i'm very excited to get that to you wanted to make sure you knew that that is coming soon and more info will come as it launches into the world thank you so much for being here and for listening in if you enjoyed this episode would you share it with a friend share it on instagram tag me. Let me know that you're listening. I'm grateful for you for being here and I will talk to you right back here again next week.